Welcome to Latin American Podcast, or LAP. My name is Caroline, and I'm here with... Lila. Charlotte. And Becca. And today we're going to start with the current event in Latin America. Did you guys hear that Cuban citizens will now have access to the internet using their mobile devices? Cuba State telephone companies are now allowing customers to use the internet via a new 3G network. Unfortunately, though, technological advances in Cuba usually aren't available to those who can't afford it, and it's usually controlled by the Cuban government. Yeah, I heard about that. And even with a population of more than 11.1 million people in Cuba, uh, 50% do not have a Facebook or email account due to lack of internet services. Yeah, to go along with Becca, um, these services are unobtainable to most of the people due to the fact that most of the population lives on $100 or less per month. Also, according to the state-run Grandma New Agency, to take advantage of the new service, Cubans will need to pay the equivalent of $7 for 600 megabytes of data, $10 for 1 gigabyte, and $30 for 4 gigabytes. So, on today's episode of LAP, we are going to discuss the United States' involvement with Dominican Republic, Peru, Nicaragua, and Guatemala during the Cold War. The military involvement of the United States within the Dominican Republic was prevalent during the Cold War. Surprisingly, the U.S. involvement with the Dominican Republic decreased during the years of Trujillo's rule, except for the final year. The U.S. government became involved in Trujillo's rule when the American government put a tax on Dominican sugar inside of the United States. And there was even a theory that there were agents from the U.S. involved in the assassination of Trujillo. Almost immediately after Trujillo's death, the U.S. became involved in Dominican affairs, which was not surprising. Even when the new leader of the Dominican Republic, Bosch, was in rule, the U.S. was involved in political affairs. The U.S. was greatly guiding the Dominican Republic in all of its affairs after this point. The U.S. was going to annex the Dominican Republic and this caused great conflict. But why was it so important for the U.S. to have power in the Dominican Republic? The U.S. received a large amount of money due to all of the goods that were produced in the Dominican Republic. The U.S. also did not want to get involved during Trujillo's rule because they did not want the corrupt leadership of Trujillo to enter the United States. However, they did need to keep a close eye on the Dominican Republic in order to ensure the safety and prosperity of America. Guatemala was under the control of a rule of military leaders who had the interests of a small group of land and the export market where they would sell cotton, coffee, bananas, and other fruit. Jacob Arbenz was a junior officer. He became Guatemala's first president. Most of the land that the single families or family-based business owned is held by the United Fruit Company. The United Fruit Company had many connections in higher places such as CIA Director Alan Doles. Alan had been partners in a New York law firm and their big client was United Fruit Company. Arben's effort for the members of Arben's administration made a compromise with U.S. Some of the top members of Guatemala's army supported and helped the coup. The CIA, CIA successfully forced President Arbenz to resign in June. Could you explain what happened after the downfall of Arbenz? 
Yeah, so after the downfall of our bends, Guatemala went into a dark place and there was a widespread of civil and human rights violations. The United States was heavily involved in Nicaragua and did all they could to keep their foot in the door. Nicaragua was run under the dictatorship of Somoza. The Somoza regime was questionable as they had their hand in quite a few corrupt manners. The United States continued to back this regime, however, due to their willingness to be allies with the U.S. Someone who disagreed with the Somoza regime was the Sandinista National Liberation Front. Castro's Cuban Revolution inspired the Sandinistas and their main goals were to seize power and destroy Somoza's dictatorship form of government. The group also did not agree with the United States meddling in Nicaragua's matters, a major threat to the U.S. Obviously, the U.S. got involved, as they normally do when their power is at stake, to make sure that the Sandinistas did not gain power. The U.S. sent the National Guard to fight back, bombing towns and killing thousands. This battle between the U.S. and the Sandinistas is called the Contra War. The U.S. claimed that the Contra War was in favor of Nicaragua's interests, but the U.S. was extremely hostile in the war, killing many, making it seem as though the United States' interests were more at the forefront of their minds. Nicaragua also faced many natural disasters during this time period, resulting in the death of thousands. The U.S. was only adding fuel to a flame and just kept the death count rising. It seems as though to the U.S., their power and influence in Nicaragua was more important than the well-being of the people there. It is questionable whether or not the Sandinistas ruled better than the Somoza regime, since I read some articles in favor of and some articles against the Sandinistas. There may be a bias as it all depends on who wrote the articles. The major point is the U.S. did not care how effective or ineffective the Sandinistas' role would be in Nicaragua. Their only care was that their power and influence be prominent, especially during the Cold War when Nicaragua was right next door to communist Cuba. So why did the U.S. have to go to such extreme measures as bombings to keep their power? The U.S. ambassador in Nicaragua supported the bombings and told the White House that they were important in keeping them in power. In the late 1970s, Abimael Guzman started forming the Shining Path. The Shining Path was a communist organization in Peru. Guzman organized his followers into a hierarchical structure to prepare them for the armed struggle. The goal of the Shining Path was to overthrow the state by guerrilla warfare. The trained members were officially ready to join the Shining Path in 1980 to start terror the terrorism activities. The Shining Path created tension between landless peasants and large cooperatives supported by the government. The Shining Path members encouraged the peasants to invade the cooperatives to occupy or loot them. Members would assassinate high-ranked public figures as well as members of the armed forces. They had no hesitation killing women, children, and political figures, making it impossible for anyone to help less wealthy people. It is safe to say that the actions made by the Shining Path was devastating and took the lives of many innocent people. What was the United States' opinion on the Shining Path? The United States was against the actions of the Shining Path because of their acts of violence and rebellion. Based on the stories we heard, it is evident that the U.S. had their own interests in mind when interfering with the affairs of Latin American countries. The U.S. priorities was to keep the Latin American countries away from the communism and have allies next door during the Cold War. 
The U.S. took extreme measures to keep certain leaders in power, no matter how corrupt their leadership was, and they suppressed the voices of organizations that disagreed with them.